Appreciate very much the opportunity that we have this morning. Song service, prayer service, especially on the behalf of this study that we're fixing to undergo is much appreciated. My lessons are always for Lyle Miller. And that is certainly true this morning. About the time I turned into a teenager, I had ideas that the Christian life was just a life of sacrifice. Nothing else. You just didn't do certain things. And so, that's the way I started my religious life, and it was somewhat a failure. And so over time, I've decided there is a balance between sacrifice and blessing. Today, I'm probably 60% on the blessing side, 40% sacrificer, but I'm heavy on the blessing side. And so when we do give up those things that are bad for us, it's not a sacrifice. It's a blessing. And so I want to study that this morning. There's going to be various aspects of that. The Bible talks about the blessed life being abundant life. And so God has a plan for our lives. It's a divine plan. It's a plan that will not fail. It's a plan of great success if we just embrace that. Number two, there is a battle raging for control of my life. And I know you realize there's a battle raging for the control of your life. Too many of God's people are suffering because of this battle. And I hope that we, through the study of the Bible, can gain the tools to better win this battle. So number one, God has a plan for my life. He has a plan for your life. New King James Version, Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. I am so thankful that Christians have a future and a hope. They have a great future in this life, and they have a grand future in the life to come in heaven. We mentioned there's a battle raging for control of our life. John 10, verse 10, King James Version. The thief, or Satan, cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus says, I am come that you can have life and that you can have it more abundantly. So life abundantly is what Jesus Christ wants for us today. We just need to embrace that. Again, Jesus was aware of the suffering. And there is suffering when we don't win the battle against sin. Matthew 9, 35 and 36. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, 
and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. It's a saving, healing gospel. Healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, Jesus was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And so sheep need a shepherd. We as sheep need Jesus Christ as our shepherd. No shepherd equals destruction, failure. None of us want to fail. So questions about the abundant life that we're discussing this morning. Number one, who am I? Psalms 139 verses 1 through 3. For the chief musician, a psalm of David, O Lord, you have searched me, and Lord, you know me. God knows us better than we do. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path, my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. We need to trust God. We need to trust Him enough to spend time in His Word so that we will be directed in His paths and not my path or Satan's path. What am I? Psalms 139, verses 13 through 14, New King James. For God, you formed my inward parts. You created us. You covered me in my mother's womb. You brought us forth in this life. I will praise you, the psalmist says, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And my soul knows very well. If we don't gain anything else from our thoughts this morning, we need to trust God. And we need to always look to God because He knows us. He knows our inward self. And He has the divine plan for you and I. And so, where am I? Where am I today? What's my status? 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 11. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And so, children are a marvelous addition to God's family. And I've already mentioned that in my early years, I thought, Christian walk was nothing but a sacrifice. But I was very wrong, and that is the reason that I put this study together, because we need to see the Christian life as being a total, true blessing. Children need direction. And thankfully, I got direction and became a person that put away childish things. What do I really want? There's lots of things that our carnal self may want, which is of no importance. The psalmist says, Psalms 37, verse number 3, Trust in the Lord and do good. 
do his will, do his works. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. We don't have to go hungry. We don't need to gorge, but we can feed. But we can feed on righteousness and spirituality. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, if I want great riches, that's not going to happen. We have to delight in the Lord. We have to serve the Lord. And thus, He fulfills those desires that He sees that are righteous, spiritual, driven. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him and He shall bring it to pass. Again, we've got to serve Him correctly, and it's still His decision whether He fulfills our needs and what we want. It's my job to trust in Him and accept what He sends my way. We need to own it. Adam didn't own his part of the sin in the Garden of Eden. God said, Who told you, Adam, that you were naked? You know, they were hiding from him when he came walking in that garden that evening after they had sinned. God says to Adam, Have you eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And Adam would not own his sin because he said, God, the woman that you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. He blamed Eve. And so Adam did not own his sin, and there is no forgiveness of sin when we don't own it. John 5, verses 6 through 8. This is not a serious infraction but this is a man that's paralyzed and he's been laying here at this pool of miracles for years and Jesus says, will you be made whole or will you be healed? And the impotent, paralyzed man answered Jesus saying, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I'm coming or trying to get in the pool, Another gets in my way, and I don't, I'm not successful. And Jesus says unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. So this is true. He couldn't get in that pool and couldn't be healed of his paralysis. But what I want to make a point at this time is, is that this man was looking so far into the past, he couldn't even embrace the fact that Jesus was offering him a cure. And so he had an excuse. And so uh, we need to look to Jesus for our solution, not to the trouble in the past. Jesus doesn't fail. And so what he had tried in the past was a failure, and he was on that page Jesus offered him a solution, and he did take that solution. Luke 15, verses 11 through 22. I love this account because I think for a few years in my life, I was like the prodigal son. And so Jesus says, A certain man had two sons. 
younger them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. Give me what's mine. I want it now. And so the father divided unto him his living. And not many days after the division, the younger son gathered it all up, his stuff, and he took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. What is riotous living? He was just having a good old time. From A to Z, from sun up to sundown, or way past, and so he had no consideration for what he had been taught in the past. He wasted his substance with this far out living, and when he had spent all, there rose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And so, rather than starve, he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and this citizen sent him into his fields to feed the swine. And he would love to have filled his belly with the pig feed that those pigs did eat. No man helped him. They, gave, they did not give unto him in his need. This young man came to himself and said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread and enough and to spare? And here I am. I'm going to perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And so the example that I want us to get from the prodigal son this morning is, is that he formed a plan. Did he execute that plan? Yes, he executed that plan to, to the detail. And it was a godly plan of return to the blessings, the abundant life that he had left before. He makes the plan of telling his father that I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. He didn't delay. He didn't put it off. He went after the cure. And when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. I can envision that dear father looking down the road every day for that wayward son. I can envision that father praying fervently every waking minute that his son would return. And so this father saw him and had compassion. He wasn't going to browbeat this young man. He ran and fell on his son's neck and kissed him. And the son executed his plan by saying unto his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. And I am no more worthy to be called thy son. He was willing to take a low place in his father's house just to be accepted and brought back. But the father said unto his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. 
And so you and I need to be like this young man that Jesus is talking about here. If we're wrong, we need to correct it. We need to fix it right now. We need to do whatever it takes according to God's Word to uh, correct just as this prodigal son did. And so we need to have a, a godly plan and there are examples in our Bible that tell us or give us good examples. And I want to mention a few of these. Job, in Job 31 and verse number 1, Job said, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then shall I look upon a young woman? And so Job wanted to control his eyes so that he wouldn't lust or sin against God. Genesis 39, verses 7 through 12. Joseph. Good example. Notice that his master's wife cast her eyes upon him, Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house. His master trusted Joseph. And he trusted him and he didn't have to be there. And Joseph says, My master, your husband, hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, Joseph. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph is a good example. He didn't want to sin against God. He didn't want to lose his master's trust. He wanted to represent godliness. And so it comes to pass, as the master's wife spoke to Joseph every day, he hearkened not unto her. He didn't want to commit sin with her or be with her in that sinful fashion. Verse 11, And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business. It was just kind of a normal day. He was obligated. He wasn't obligated, but he was tending to his master's business. There was none of the men of the house there within, and so she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. He left his garment in her hand. He fled and got him out. My plan, your plan, needs to be that when sin has got us in its grasp, we need to leave. We need to be out. We need to handle this in such a way that we get away from it. Because if we hang around, it's going to get us. And so Joseph is a wonderful example on how to deal with adversity. I don't think I've ever had that kind of event in my life where my boss's wife wanted things to be sinful. Never have. Maybe God knows that I don't need that. But anyway, hopefully we don't have those situations. We need to do like Joseph did and do it God's way. 
2 Timothy 1, verses 6 through 7. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hand. So it is a miraculous gift that uh, Timothy had at this time. But this is what I want us to notice, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Christians shouldn't have to live in fear, but they should live in power and of love and of a sound mind. Now there is fear, but not an overcoming fear, not a fear that drives us or rules us. We need to concentrate on the power that God has given us as Christians. We need to concentrate on the love and of sound mind. Matthew 7 and verse 21. Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And so, again, what you and I need to really concentrate on is that we need to be doing the Lord's will. We need to be doing the Lord's work. And we need to concentrate and make sure that that's backed up by His Holy Word. Psalms 127 in verse 1, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman walketh or waketh but in vain. And so if it's not the Lord's way, it's worthless. Let's... Pay attention and make sure through study that we're doing God's will according to His way. 2 Timothy 2 verse 5, New King James. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And so, we have rules. We have guidelines. It's not a mystery in the sense that it is a great unknown. And so we have that at hand, and let's use it. Do it God's way. Joshua 1 and verse 8, The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. Again, as Christians, we need to pursue prosperity and success in that godly fashion. Romans 8 and verse 28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And so, if we love God, we're going to do His will. And so, we must do His will and be called or guided by His Scripture and His purpose. John 10 and verse number 10. We can redefine abundance because the world thinks that abundance is a big bank account. It's having all of this, these physical things. But that is 
of no value. Again, John 10.10, 10, The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and destroy them come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Matthew 16, verse 26, What is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Our soul has an immeasurable value. The things that we own physically in this life have a value. Our soul is much, much more valuable. What if we concentrate on things in this life and we lose this soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? We don't need to let things of a carnal nature jeopardize the salvation of our soul. Luke 12 and verse 15, Jesus talking, He says unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And so we must take this to heart because it's not the things that we possess in this life that are of importance. Luke 12 and verse number 28 through 31. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will I, or how much more will God clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of a doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that you have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. The kingdom of God must be first. Our first effort needs to be the kingdom of God. If we pursue that, then all other things will be added unto us. Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. Satan has control of this whole world. And it's brought out in the account we have here of Jesus masterfully resisting Satan. So, Matthew 4, verse 1. Jesus was led up of the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when He had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, have you ever gone without food for 40 days, 40 nights? I've gone without food for maybe three or four days when my mom wanted me to be tested for diabetes when I was a teenager. And so it was a fast for three days. It was tough, three days. Jesus did it for 40 days and 40 nights. He was afterward hungered. I think I would have been famished. So Jesus is hungry. And so the devil, in verse 3, comes to Jesus and says, If you're really the Son of God, command that these stones out here be made bread. And you know that Jesus' physical sense would like to have had bread to eat. But Jesus says unto Satan, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, 
but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It is very evident to me that Jesus and these three areas of temptation that Satan is presenting to him on this occasion, he uses the written word. The written word is his defense. So he uses that word and says, No, Satan, not going to do that. Because it's written that man shall not live by bread alone. Verse 5, the devil don't give up on one attempt. So he taketh Jesus up unto the holy city, and setteth him on a steeple of the temple, and says unto Jesus, If you're really the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written. The devil's on the written now, see? So the devil says it's written, God shall give His angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus says, no. It's again, or it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. That's temptation number two. Number three, devil still working on our Lord and Savior Jesus. So the devil takes Jesus up into an exceeding high mountain, showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the great glory that's contained in them. And the devil says to Jesus, all these things I'll give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus says unto Satan, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, leaves Jesus, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Jesus is a perfect example of how we are to fight Satan. 1 Timothy 6, verse 6-10, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us be there with content. They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. The love of money. Money in itself is not evil. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Are we listening? Great words of admonition. We need to value our church family. Genesis 2 and verse 18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a help meet for him. The word meet means worthy. So husband and wives are commanded by God to work together as a family and to serve Him in that capacity. Ecclesiastes 4 verses 9 through 12, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. 
If two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. We hear this scripture as well as others at a lot of weddings. And so a threefold cord to mean means that the husband and wife are working together and there is a third very strong cord aspect that is godliness or Christianity that is helping keep that bond together and keep it from being broken. Have a church family. Jesus sent His disciples out in pairs, not alone. Alone, we're not near as effective as we are if we work together in a family uh, environment or as a community, as a Christian community. Verse 1, Luke 10, After these things the Lord appointed other servants also and sent them two and two before the face, before His face into every city and place whither He Himself should come. Galatians 6, verses 1 through 2. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Be humble, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Jesus Christ wants us to function together as a church family. And I'm, I'm thankful that we have that within our congregation. We need to work on it, maintain it, and grow it into even more. Acts 2, verses 46 through 47, And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. It is very important that we are a part of the Lord's family, the congregation, and that is the example that we have here in Acts 2. We need to do our homework, and I'm not talking about what teachers may send home from school. I'm talking about making sure our homes are like God wants them to be. But he, in Luke 11, verse 17, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to destruction or desolation. A house divided against a house, or divided against itself, falleth. Husband and wives, we've got to be together because Satan causes destruction and desolation to divided homes. Deuteronomy 4, verse 9, New King James, Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest ye forget the things your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Teach them to your children and to your grandchildren. We're all commanded to teach those around us, especially the children and grandchildren. Titus 2, verses 3 through 4, The aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, 
not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. As we add birthdays, it's very important that we're the right example. It's even important when we're 10 and 11. But as we add birthdays, we need to be the right example. Don't quit, but fight. I'm not picking on Hagar, but let's look at Genesis 21, verses 14 through 16. Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Let's get our minds up to speed. God was promising Sarah and Abraham a child, but it was happening according to God's timetable. Hagar was Sarah's handmaiden, and she wanted Abraham to have a son with Hagar. And so that happened. And it ended up causing problems because that was not according to God's divine plan. And this son of Hagar's, or whatever you want to call her, I know I'm switching back and forth, was making fun of Sarah's son. And so Sarah wanted Abraham to get rid of that lady. And that's what's going on here. Abraham is really stressed over this event, but he does send her out with provisions, but she's out wandering in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water was spent, in verse 15, that was in the bottle. And she cast the child under one of the shrubs, and she went and sat down over against, uh, sat down a good way off, as it were a bow shot from the child, and said, let me not see the death of the child, and so she sat there and lifted up her voice and wept. I really sympathize with this lady because she didn't have any water. She just knew that her son, her baby, was going to die. What she failed to do was trust in God. Because I don't have it on a slide, but verse 17 of this same Genesis 21 says... And God heard the voice of the lad. He didn't hear Hagar, but he heard the baby's cry. And the angel of God called Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. And this story ends up good because God took care of them. But I want to say that this mom, in her stress, forgot all about that, forgot about God, and so you and I need to always have God in our minds and trust God to help us and don't quit. We need to fight, but we need to use God's help and fight. Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 13, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darknesses of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole, the complete armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. And so it's true that we are given the tools, we're given the weapons to succeed in this Christian life. We just need to use them. 1 John 4 and 4, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, overcome even evil, because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. There's no comparison in the power of God to the power of this world. Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus will tend to our needs. We can live a legacy. And what is a legacy? A legacy is a life that is notable. It's a life to be proud of. Through Jesus Christ and God, we can live a legacy. Proverbs 22 and verse 1, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor is more notable than silver and gold. And so, as we wind up our thoughts this morning, let's place importance on God's will, God's Word, God's plan, and not fail to do God's Word. Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 20. See then that you walk circumspectly, walk according to the plan, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. They're somewhat evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the blessed, abundant life. You and I are in that life this morning as we are gathered together, singing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs. We're in this life, the abundant life. Last Scripture, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 through 18. For which cause, what cause? Why do we faint not? But though our outward man perish or is diminished, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. And so, I pray that we are all on the right path and that we're not going to faint and we're going to concentrate on the spiritual man, not be beaten down by light affliction that doesn't really last very long, but pursue that goal of the more exceeding eternal 
weight of glory. The lesson is yours. Thank you very much for your kind attention. And uh, we want to offer the Lord's invitation. It is always available, especially at this point. If you're here, you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you're willing to confess His name, repent of your past, and be buried for the remission of sins, we would invite you to do that. If the prayers of the church would benefit you in any fashion, please come forward as we stand and sing.